Welcome back. Hour number two of the Bill Michaels Show. Good to have you on board this Wednesday. Home day. Creeping in on uh, the holiday season. Closer and closer. Christmas time right around the corner. Have you gotten all the gift giving or gift gift, gifts wrapped, uh, purchased, delivered, all that kind of stuff? Uh, I know that uh, over the last couple of days, my front porch has been loaded with stuff. Um, And one of the best things I ever did was get the cameras because uh, we have had a couple of things in the neighborhood where people have complained that some things have gone missing off of porches as of late, but knock on wood, you know, I haven't had any issues. Then again, I'm home most of the time during the day, so I can run down and grab it. But I came home uh, this morning. I got up early and went to uh, went to the doctor's office and got home, and there was already two packages sitting on the, uh, the front steps. I got just about everything wrapped last night. There's a couple things still I have to take care of, but for the most part, everything's been wrapped. So got it all pretty much done. Put on... Uh, Put on uh, some some uh, TV last night, had the Christmas music playing. I mean, really, short of being the whiskey-filled nog, uh, which I wasn't going to do just because I haven't felt good, but uh, it was a nice night last night. But I ended up crashing really early, uh, really early, like quarter to six. I was already <laughs> I was out, and then I woke up to catch the end of the Bucks game and climbed into bed and went to bed and slept till this morning. So that's the day. 877 You can find us over on Twitter at Bill underscore Michaels, at Bill underscore Michaels. You can find Grant at Wisco Grant. Producing the program uh, simply on Instagram, The Bill Michaels Show, over on Instagram. And uh, the same thing on Facebook, Facebook.com slash The Bill Michaels Show. And you can like, you can follow, you can subscribe, all that kind of stuff. But YouTube, that's the place where everybody starts watching. Uh, go to YouTube.com, YouTube.com slash Bill Michaels Show and uh, hit subscribe. We love it when you subscribe um, because it pops right up. And everybody that I've talked to said it's really cool because it doesn't come up and it's not obnoxious. It's just a little buzz on your phone. And you see the little YouTube uh, symbol and it says, you know, Bill Michael Show is live. Green and Gold Post Game Show is live, you know, whatever. Huddle is live. And you can either swipe and watch it or just, okay, I can't do that now. Turn it off. Uh, you can always take us anywhere and everywhere with the Zone app. The Zone, Z-O-N-E, Madison, the Zone Madison app. Uh, you can like us and follow us on LinkedIn and watch the program, Twitch TV, Kick TV, uh, email for guys. I mean, I can go on and on. There's so many different ways to get a hold of the program now and consume the program. It's not funny. But then there's the old-fashioned way on many of our tremendous network stations all throughout the great state of Wisconsin. We certainly appreciate you being here as well. So a lot of different ways to, to hang on to us. Um, this is from uh, this is from Mark. Going back to our conversation, the first hour of the show, we talked a little bit about Transfer Portal and college football and the, the direction it's going and how it pays the bills and such. And uh, this one's from Mark who says, uh, the tradition of college football has been completely forgotten. Many of the things that football was built upon is no longer. Uh, It's disappointing. However, I do understand it because we live in a fast food world, and all kids want to see is what's on the video games. They want the video game to be played right here, right now, and they want to change players and make it easier and bigger and better for a lot of the teams that they have or they want to put together. The traditions are now gone. We we have no way to teach those to the younger generation. Uh, Skinny says, we forget about the fans. I used to like watching players mature in college. Now we get some guy from the uh, transfer portal you've never heard of, makes it harder to feel like he's actually a Badger or your guy, 
and seems like watching just another team and not really your team that you grew up watching and loving. And that's a good point as well. You really don't become attached to these guys. Now, if they become superstars and they propel your team to winning records, uh, then you then you do. But, you know, do we really think of Russell Wilson as a Wisconsinite? I don't. He played one year here. I don't. I'm sure some do. I don't. I, I, there's no love lost between me and Russell Wilson. But because he had success and went to the Rose Bowl, but they, they they put it up on the on the you know the the big screen every now and then out of Camp Randall. He was a part of that video for successes from Wisconsin, but he he, he wasn't. I mean, you know, he was here one year. He played, and it was nice. Don't get me wrong, but you know, it was he was kind of a hired gun, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But I don't think of him as a Wisconsin. He wasn't a recruited guy that came in and stuck with the program for at least three years before, you know, heading off to greener pastures. He was he moved around, came in, graduated, and played one year for the Badgers, and then off he went to uh, to Seattle. But the NIL and the ability to pay players, it has given players power, and I'm for that. It has put the education process. It, it, really distant in the rearview mirror, really distant. Um, but it's also uh, there hasn't been a cap to it, and that's the thing that is driving the train for some of these guys. There's not a cap. I mean, I think you should. I said it all along. If the NCAA would have just said, "Look, we're going to give these guys a few hundred bucks a week, or five hundred bucks a month, or a thousand bucks a month." This would have cured a lot of this, but their own stubbornness and their own greed got the best of them, and now this is what you're left with. Had they just ponied up and paid the players for something rather than hoarding all the money, they they would have been so much better off. But again, if they do that, you get into Title IX, you get into paying everybody, and they didn't want to do that, and... Now this is what you have. This is what you have. Uh, 877-867-1670. If you want to find us, please feel free. Go ahead and give us a call. However, so uh, I want to talk more Packers football because there's the what-ifs. And now we start getting into the what do we expect. By the way, since I am not going to be here tonight for the huddle, Grant, I think, what do we have at the end of the show today? Anything specific? We got Brad Spielberger at 115. So we could tuck all our picks at the end. We could also do our picks at like 1230 after we talk to Mark Schofield. Maybe we can. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, we're going to do our picks today. Let's do that because I I, we got to get we got to get updated because I don't know what kind of a weekend I had. I think it wasn't terrible, uh, but there were some spreads that were closer than I would have liked. So I don't know how I fell. So we'll get into that. So uh, coming up later today, uh, about an hour and a half from now, we'll start to make our picks for the NFL. And we'll start to get into that a little bit. But, um, yeah, I want to take a look around the NFL. There's a lot of stories in the NFL right now that are intriguing. The Bill Belichick thing I find intriguing. The Robert Salah thing I find intriguing. Mike Tomlin I find intriguing. You know, where are some of these coaches going to go? Are they going to stay? What's the culture? You know, obviously there's going to be coordinators that are going to be out of jobs at the end of the season. You know, does Ron Rivera stay in coaching or does he decide to, you know, after this stint in Washington, does he hang it up? Same with Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is so close. Now, if Bill Belichick wasn't on the cusp of 
three seasons away of really successful seasons away of taking over the all-time wins leader? Does he even remain in coaching at the age of 70, 75 or whatever? I, you know, so there's so many different things to talk about. The MVP race is really begun to kind of get clarity, you know, even though the two guys that would be considered probably two front runners are saying they would vote for each other. You know, and Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey, Lamar Jackson, if he wins this weekend, does he go right to the top of the board because he's had a hell of a season? Dak Prescott fell off dramatically because of the performance against Buffalo this past weekend. You know, can some of these teams, can a team like, you know, Mike Tomlin's team even finish above 500 because they've never finished below 500 in Mike Tomlin's entire career in Pittsburgh? Do they turn it around? Do they even find themselves in the postseason at this point? You know, there's a lot of different things kind of, kind of percolating here. So I want to get into all of that coming up here in just a little bit as well. 877-867-1670. Um, and then all the emails that have been coming in for the last few days. I mean, uh, and I want to get uh, into all this stuff. First of all, uh, this goes back to John and Howard. He said, hey, Bill, so if Campbell is playing hurt, do you think that he sticks to what he said and doesn't play this weekend? Remember Devondre Campbell's tweet from yesterday basically saying, look, I'm not busting my ass anymore. I'm, I'm going to go out, I'm trying to play, <clears throat> I'm hurt, I'm banged up, and then I go out and play, they put me on Chris Godwin, and everybody blames me for not being able to co- keep up with this guy? Are you kidding me? So uh, my question uh, you know, from John is, is, do you think Campbell plays this weekend? If he didn't injure himself any further, yes. I believe he does. But I think that's a statement of, if I get hurt again, I'm not killing myself to come back. I'm not going to do it. That that's what I that's what I gathered from that statement. Was I'm not going to put myself out there anymore and, and kill myself to come back only to be turned around and blamed. Now some seem to think it's blamed by the fans or whatever radio station attacked him. I, I have no idea because I think if you did, you're probably not that smart of a football person to be perfectly honest with you, because you know it, it's just it was a bad matchup. But that's, that was their only option at that, or that was his only option at that point was to try to cover Chris Godwin. So anyway, uh, but we'll, uh, I, I guess we'll just, I hate to say we'll wait and see, but we'll wait, wait and see. I hate people treating this. They're so delicate. Well, I don't want to assume what Devondre Campbell, I don't want to put words in his mouth. He tweeted something cryptic, okay? This is on him. Yeah. People are going to speculate yeah. what he's getting at with this tweet, and that bothers him. He shouldn't tweet right. it. Right, right. No, I completely agree. Yeah, you know, and again, he probably went as far as to say, I'm going to put it here cryptically because the guys inside the locker room are going to know. And and that that statement from him, that was meant for people in the, inside 1265. That was not meant for people outside of 1265 because now that's what everybody's talking about. I I really believe that because he, he, that's not him. That's not what he does. He doesn't go after fans. I mean, you know, he's, he just doesn't do that. I believe it was meant for people inside the walls of 1265 and not necessarily for the guys next to him. He probably went into film study and they probably said, Devondre, you can't do this. You can't do that. You're, you know, how could you do this? How could you do that? And he's like, are you kidding me? I, I'm over here with a, a high ankle sprain that I've been nursing since the day I came back. I've been beat up. I'm, I'm killing myself. And you put me on Godwin and then say, how in the world can you not keep up with this guy? I, I, I believe that that's who 
that it was either pointed towards Joe Barry or Matt LaFleur or both. I really believe that. Maybe it's because I want to believe it, but I really believe that. Uh, 877-867-1670. Steve says, happy, uh, happy Wednesday. Uh, like you have been battling the creeping crud uh, since last week, and it, this is going on two weeks for me, so it's been around a while. It takes a lot to knock me out, but it's been kicking my ass. Thank goodness it seems to be making its way out of me. My ribs are still hurting from all the coughing. Um, I take on LaFleur's decision to keep Barry on until the end of the year means one thing. Don't expect any extension anytime soon for Mr. Barry. He cannot survive week after week of horrible execution and communication 101. It's a blatantly obvious he has lost the defense a long, long time ago. As far as the quarterbacks in the NFL draft, one name that is not being talked about is Michael Penix out of Washington. He outdueled Caleb Williams in the Pac-10 championship. Very accurate passer with a good arm. Maybe not first-round material, but definitely uh, early in the second round. I'm not seeing him play a couple of times, or I have seen him play a couple of times, and he commands the field just saying, remember that name. That's Steve. I like Penix. I do. I don't like Penix. His arm and, and athletic ability is not on the same level as Caleb Williams, but he's a very, very smart quarterback that already gets it. And you're right when it comes to the accuracy. Fully believe that. You're right. I'll go along with that. This is a really fun draft, in my opinion, because of those quarterbacks that could go, you know, 15, 20, like Bo Nix, Michael Penix, those guys that might be available just a little bit later. Because that's, you know, once upon a time, that's what the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes. I'm not comparing those guys to Mahomes, but you might have that team in the middle of the first that's got a fine quarterback and they're doing fine, but they want to take a swing on someone else. It's fun when there's quarterbacks scattered throughout the first round and they don't all just go off the board, you know, in the top six. I think that's fun. Right. Uh, Let's do this. 877-867-1670. When we come back, I also want to hear some things from inside the locker room. Aaron Jones, Eric Stokes. Mike Clemens happened to catch up with him. We're going to hear some of that when we come back. Stay tuned. we got a whole lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up, and it's coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Ho, 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 I need a window. Maybe it's cold outside. So where do I go? Ho, ho. Come on, Santa. Go to Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Now is the time to replace your leaky windows and doors. You and Mrs. Claus can get your new windows while putting no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. Unwrap this gift now, but pay for it later. More jingle that stays in my pocket. That's right, Santa. Plus, our elves install year-round and in as little as one day. Pella offers lines in luxurious wood to fiberglass and vinyl. Why not make a New Year's resolution today? That's the spirit, Santa. Pella, no. Pay later. (laughs) Absolutely. Put no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. But you have to hurry. Offer ends December 31st. Schedule your free consultation today at PellaWI.com. Certain restrictions apply. See show room for details. Offer ends 12-31-2023. Good to have you back. The Bill Michaels Show. We continue on on this Wednesday. Hearing from inside uh, the Packers locker room, guy like Aaron Jones. And uh, Aaron Jones the other day, he said, look, uh, coming back to the lineup, I mean, we know he was on a pitch count, but he said, man, he felt really good to return to the lineup. 
My stamina was pretty good. Uh, the whole time I had been kind of running. When I was hurt, I was running in the indoor, working out still, doing pull workouts. So our training staff and our weight room staff did a good job of making sure my stamina was good. I didn't feel that at all while I was out there. So I was like, wow, I'm in pretty good shape. Said uh, that the Packers, for what they've done and the loss, he said now we are in a desperate situation. Every game is a playoff. We can't afford to lose anymore. We put ourselves in a position to succeed, and when we do, we got to take advantage of that. And now we kind of not dug ourselves a hole, but now um, it's no room for error at this point, and we got to go win. Now, um, here's the question. I mean, let's be honest. Do you really believe that you can make the postseason? All the confidence is still there. Uh, we, we still all believe in each other, and we know we can get it done. Which is good. Which, I mean, you know, it didn't sound necessarily extremely confident, but it is what it is, right? Um, now, the opening drive, eight carries on the opening drive, and looked really good, and they were just driving the ball. Then he finished the day. Eight carries on the opening drive, finished the day with 13 carries. For 53 yards, kind of explain that. I think coach protected me and my finger did get caught in a face mask uh, late in the game. Um, so I think it was just kind of coach protecting me. But, you know, I always want to be out there with, with my guys. But like I said, they, they're just protecting me. I'm just coming off of injury. So um, he didn't want to overdo it. Bill, you tell me because you were at the game. It seemed like Matt LaFleur at the, at the very end just said, anybody who's got any sort of nagging injury or any little thing, get them off. We're not winning. Yeah. So, Toure, right. go out there. Bo Melton, Josiah DeGuara. I'm not putting one more snap on Wicks or Jones or any of these guys that might yeah. be slightly dinged. That was that was pretty much it. That was pretty much it. It looked like uh, anybody that was and, – and it drives me nuts. Now, granted, towards the end of that, they weren't winning that game, so I understand that. But it drives me nuts when guys come back and they put them on pitch counts. Either you can play or you can't, but don't take a roster spot up. Especially if you come back and you look really good. I get it. You don't want to run him 45 times. But if the guy can't run the ball 20 times, then why is he out there? That And, and why do you start him? Why do you, why do you, I don't want to say waste him, but why do you just use it all up in the first quarter or use it all up in the first half, knowing then you're not going to use this guy the remaining portion of the game? Because they haven't stopped them. And the old adage in football is, we're going to keep doing it until you stop us. And if you can't stop us, we're going to continue to do it. The Packers stopped themselves a couple of times. And it just, it, it, Mike McCarthy used to say it all the time. If you're, if you're suited up, you're going to play. And we're going to play you. There is, there's no pitch counts. There's none of that. You know, we're going to play you. You know, that's because we are being told by you and the medical staff, you are capable of playing an NFL game. And this pitch count thing, man, it drives me freaking nuts. Well, like you said, if, if you think you can give the ball to Aaron Jones 15 times, okay, fine. Then don't give, don't waste eight or nine of the carries on the first drive. Like, I don't want to right. use him up in the first quarter and then have him be done for the day. Completely agree. He was also asked, why have the Packers struggled so much as of late? Um, it just comes down to execution, you know, across the board. Certain plays, uh, we're getting looks to be we may want and uh, not execute, nor they may be winning that down, and we have to stop them from winning the down on critical downs. We got to be the ones winning those downs. Then uh, he said, "Hey, look, um, as a veteran, you never take the success that you're having for granted. 
I felt like we were even kill. Even now, we're still even kill. You, we're, we see guys mad about the result, but our pro, we're process driven. You know, we're, we're taking it day by day, and the process is right. So we're, we're going to be better for it in the end. Uh, it's about stacking them. We didn't stack the W, so we got to flush this one, and we know what we got to do to get back on that wooden column. Now there's Eric Stokes, who finally has uh, has come back from that horrific injury from last year and the surgeries and the pins and needles and screws sticking out of his ankle and everything, and he talked about finally returning to the lineup. It was a great feeling being back out there. I ain't played balling over 13 months or whatever, so it was a great feeling just being back out there, just being out there with the guys. Very, very much emotional. Three games left. That's what they have. Three games left. They've got Carolina, Minnesota, and then ultimately the Bears back home at Lambeau Field. You hope that means something, but he said, hey, look, three games left. We don't have time. There's no finger pointing here. We can't play the blame game. Like, that's what, that's what exactly what we just ended the meeting on. Like, we got to find a solution. Like, there's no reason to play the blame game. The blame game ain't going to get calls for nothing. All that stuff. Like, we got to find a solution because it's on the pretty much uh, Charlotte next week. So, yeah, like, we can look back in the mirror. We can do everything, just line up and play ball. Um, I, now I don't know if you hear this and you look at it and you go, yeah, right. Or you say, man, I really appreciate where he's coming from. But he said they have faith in the game plan. There's a lot of trust in game plan. Like there's a lot of things that we like as a defense, like that we messed up. Like there's a lot of little things where we go back on film. A lot of people ain't lined up right. A lot of people ain't doing it. So there's a lot of little things that we can blame, blame for ourselves before we blame anything else. Like you got to look in the mirror. So what was Joe Barry's message uh, Monday morning during that defensive meeting? Supposed to plays, like, that's something that hurt. Like, it don't matter how you put it, how you uh, put anything. Like, them supposed to plays hurt. I've won on 52 yards, multiple for 20-plus yards. All these supposed to plays, that should get you beat. There you go. That's it. That's it. Here from Aaron Jones, Stokes, both guys coming back in, getting playing time, and uh, part of what was a, a rather ugly loss. So, but uh, like uh, Eric Stokes said, the message was, you know, it's, it's got to do your job. Certain things, big plays, chunk plays, that's what's going to get you beat. And certainly it did uh, over on there on Sunday. Uh, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. hit us up, please feel free. Go ahead and do so again, 877-867-1670. Uh, you've got uh, Scott who says, uh, who, who's listening to us in ARPAN, Hey, Unit found a positive note from the Packers in an article in The Onion. Onion says, James Webb Telescope finds evidence of Packers secondary lined up 20 million light years off of receivers. <laughs> the Onion put that out. When The Onion has taken your defense and made light of it because it's that bad, and everybody, including the staff writers of The Onion, can see it. Come on, man. He said, always, uh, I've been a diehard Packers fan for 50 years. I hate to say it, but I don't want them in the playoffs because it will be an embarrassment to watch our defense against a real quarterback and a real offense. Hopefully it changes next year. That is from Scott. I, Scott, I'm going to disagree with you. Not about the, the fact that a telescope has to look very, very fast, long and hard to find the Packers defense lined up uh, and where they line up beyond the first down markers. But I still believe and I know this is not what people want to hear, but I still believe that this team needs to get to the postseason. It will show you a few things. It will show you, one, that they still have fight in them because that means they got to win out. To, I mean, if they don't get in because of tiebreakers, so be it, okay? That's fine. But I don't want to see them lose the last three games. 
I don't want to see the season end like this because it still leaves you then with questions because depending on how the season ends, say they do lose the next three games. Say they lose to Carolina, which would be horrific. Say they lose to Minnesota. And then you lose to an upstart starting to surge Bears team, right? Suppose you lose those games. Then what? You're, you're what, six, seven wins into the season. It puts you at about between 10th and 15th in the draft. I mean, you'll get a decent player, um, you know, and you'll be able to draft higher. I get that. But what did you accomplish? I mean, think about it. Do you know that Jordan Love is the guy? Because chances are, if you go 0-3 over the next three games, he's not the guy. Or at least he hasn't proven that he is, right? Because all you're going to do is hang on to the game against uh, the Lions and the game against the Chiefs, the game against the Bears, and maybe the game against the Chargers, right? You're going to say, okay, there's four games out of 17. Is that what you're hanging on to? Because you're still not going to really, really know if that's the guy. Um, And I want to get back to that coming up here momentarily. Um, But then you're really not going to know what you have total. And then do you have to make a head coaching change? Because do you believe the locker room's gone? And, I mean, there's so many things that then leave question marks in your mind as to whether or not this team is or isn't what we thought it was. But if this team fights and they get to the postseason, and I'm not going to say they get embarrassed, but because we don't figure they're going to win, but let's say they get to the postseason, but they – they, you know, get beat by San Francisco or Philadelphia or whomever, right? I believe they could be competitive with Philadelphia. Philadelphia's defense is not the same as it was last year, and Philadelphia's defense has to – the way Philadelphia is built is they come after you, like every team does. It's very cliche, but they really get after you after they get a lead. They're not getting the big chunk plays and the big scoring plays they did last year, so therefore they don't have the big leads, the big two-score leads, where they just pin their ears back. So – I believe they could hang with Philadelphia. San Francisco, no. They can't hang with San Fran. Not going to happen. And Dallas? Will the real Dallas Cowboys please stand up? Down there? I think Dallas dump trucks you. Makes it a track meet. And you're not going to win a track meet. You'll lose to Dallas. You'll lose to Dallas. Most likely you'll lose to Philadelphia too, but it'll be a closer game. But at least Philadelphia, I believe you have a shot at a shot. If you play your best football, I believe you can win. But San Francisco and Dallas, I think they dump truck you. And regardless, I still think it's good to get that experience for your quarterback. You know, going back to that, one of the things that was stated this morning uh, when they were talking about coaches losing locker rooms and cultures and stuff is that the culture of a locker room everything's dictated by your head coach, but the culture of a locker room is really up to the veterans and players make the culture, make the locker room. The coaches don't. They bring a certain key element that players feed off of. But you look at like um, Dan Campbell in in Detroit, Uh, you look at the slow and steady hand of a guy like Sean Payton, right? Uh, where he just kept saying, we're just going to keep working, just going to keep working, just going to keep working. And all of a sudden, you start to hear some of the post-game interviews coming out of that locker room, and it's like, we're going to keep working, we're going to keep working, we're going to keep working. And I know it's cliche for a lot of teams, but for them, it really, there was a different tone to it. It it really did. It was dictated by their head coach, but now they're finding success. And there's guys in that locker room that are 
starting to emerge as team leaders. Same thing over in San Francisco. I mean, that culture is, you know, Bosa is your leader. Armstead is your leader. Those are your leaders over on defense. Offensively speaking, it's Brock Purdy and his humble. It's McCaffrey and uh, the the grinding force that he is. Debo Samuel, George Kittle. You got some badasses over there that that walk the walk and get it done, right? Um, you you look at cultures in locker rooms, and that's that's where it's built. It's built by the players and by the veterans and the guys that step up. So you got to ask yourself, what kind of guys do you have in your locker room and what kind of culture do you have in your locker room? You know? 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. Some really good stuff today. Uh, hang out. we got a lot more uh, to come. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Every Plumbing and Heating. They are in the La Crosse, Trempolo, Vernon, Monroe counties, Jackson County, located in on Alaska. But if you are this time of year, if, say, your furnace is acting up a little bit, not getting as you know warm in the house as it should, everything from checking your filter to checking the pilot light to checking some of the things that are inside the vents, whatever it happens to be, if you're looking for radiant heat, if you're looking for flooring heat, if you're looking for garage heat, if you're looking to change out a water heater, wa- uh, water softening system, I can go on and on. They can do it all. Every plumbing and heating and uh, electric and AC and all that kind of good stuff, they do it all. 608-783-2803. 608-783-2803. Trust them. Trust them. I wish they lived closer to me. I, wish, I do. Good people over there. Third generation, veteran family. Hell yeah. 608-783-2803. That's every plumbing and heating. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Michael Show. 877-867-1670. If you want to find us, feel free to give us a shout. And always appreciate it when you do. And uh, let's do this. Let's go to Jim listening to us in Greendale. Jim, welcome to the program, the Bill Michael Show. What's going on, man? Thank you, Mr. Michaels. I enjoy your show with the expertise that you have, the in-depth in your callers. Um, Appreciate it. I don't get a, I don't get a chance to listen all the time, but I have an observation on the last game with the Buccaneers. During the offensive sets for the Buccaneers, Baker Mayfield and his coaches were going over their little handheld computers in a in a furious way, looking at everything. And then, in contrast, when you looked at Love, he was sitting on the bench, staring into space, nobody around him. And I'm going, what's the difference in this team? I mean, you know, it's, how, how, it's, how can he not go ahead. go ahead? How can how can he just be sitting on the bench, staring in space, no coaches around him, giving him any uh, advice about what he saw in the field, what the defensive sets he was looking at and, and that. Whereas Baker Mayfield and his coaches were furiously going over that little tablet. 
and I'll hang up it's, and listen to your response. Okay. No, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for taking a listen to us. When he comes off the field, and I, I've watched this before, uh, and they might have just caught him at a time in which nobody was around him. Um, but when he comes off the field, first thing they do is take the helmet off. They sit down. There's a specific portion of the bench that is for the quarterbacks. And he sits down. Usually one of the quarterback's coaches or one of the offensive guys will come over uh, with him, uh, um, the, the, the backup quarterback. They all sit down together, and they all look at something. Uh, they, they, usually the Microsoft uh, Surface Pros is what they look at. And they, they go over it. They look at it, and it's maybe – now, sometimes I agree with you. Sometimes I'm like, why, why – you know, because the head coach is your play caller. Why is your head coach – because you've seen Andy Reid go over and sit on the, on the bench with Patrick Mahomes before, you know? Why is Andy Reid – why is Matt LaFleur not walking over and sitting down with him? Um, but uh, him and Sean Clifford, they'll sit on the bench. One of the guys from the offensive unit will come over. And they'll bring the Surface Pros, and they'll look at certain things or certain certain settings and such. And then they'll look at it, they'll talk about it, and then they get up and either go their separate ways or whatever. Like Sean Clifford will walk back over by the sidelines. You know, Jordan Love will sit on the bench or, or go over other things or whatever. I, but in that moment, I think they just caught him sim- sitting alone. Sometimes TV does not – that's the reason I like going to the games because TV doesn't do it justice. Because TV is looking for a narrative at times. You know, look at Jordan Love, how dejected he looks sitting on the sidelines, you know. And they'll, they'll wait for that moment in which nobody's around him and he's staring off into space and it'll look terrible. It's a terrible look. But they do. Usually every time he comes off the field, somebody is sitting down with him and looking at something. Now, every now and then, Matt LaFleur will walk over. And he'll like, you know, hands on his knees and he'll be talking to him for a minute. And you don't know what they're saying, but then they go, you know, Matt LaFleur goes back out and he, you know, has the, you know, red challenge flag in his hand and he's ready to go watching the defense. But I think it was just a bad moment on television. Now, if it happens all the time, and I don't watch every time, I have to admit, I, I don't pay attention to that every time, but I do watch after certain series that are good, bad, and different, whatever. And you know the one thing I don't see a lot of? I don't see a lot of interaction between – because the offensive line and, and such sits way down at the other end. You don't see a lot of that interaction. You know, him talking to the offensive lineman. He'll, he talks to the offensive lineman and goes down and high-fives him or whatever more than Aaron Rodgers ever did. You know, Rodgers stayed at his end, got back up, put on the knit cap, stood with his arms folded or whatever, and waited for, you know, his opportunity. You know, and then was ready to go back in. So, uh, it, it's to me, it was just a bad look. I think they caught him at a bad moment, especially if it was towards the end of the game when they were pretty much getting dump truck at that point. But I appreciate that because it is something that I wanted to bring up. And I, on Monday, it completely slipped my mind until you just brought it up again. So, uh, kudos to you for bringing that back to my attention. 877 867 1670. 877 867 1670. If you want to find us, go ahead and do so. Um, get, let your voice be heard. Um, Thomas says, Love has shown some good signs. Jordan Love has shown good signs. I agree with you. Well, one, of the, one of the things this morning, and I wanted to allude to this uh, when I was talking about culture, when they talk about the offensive and defensive cultures of teams, the, 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 you look at guys like Brady and Manning, um, 
Hell Favre to a certain extent, Rodgers to a certain extent. I don't think, I don't know how the culture, culture was when Rodgers was here. In the beginning, it was great. It was Jordy, it was him, they were buddies, very common, you know. You heard a little bit about intermingling and things off the field. And But as, as Rodgers got older, the team got younger and more and more of his weapons left. Uh, it was kind of like him and Cobb and Bakhtiari, you know, and, and even then I don't think it was overwhelmingly personal off the field, but I don't know what the culture was. I think there was a separatist culture, you know, um, but the, the culture for the offense is usually set by the determination and the grit of the quarterback about what it is, because if a quarterback's a lame duck quarterback, you get a lot of guys that don't really root for you. This team, this offensive unit, they root for Jordan Love. They 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 still have, Jordan Love still has them squarely in his corner. So when things are good, and, and you can see it, you can see the genuine exuberation and jubilation for when things go well for Jordan Love, and you can see that. Defensively, I don't know who brings it. I don't I don't know where your leader is. I don't know where your culture is. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Um, you'd like to think that it was Rasul Douglas and Devondre Campbell, but Rasul got dumped and, and Kenny Clark is not a very outspoken, loud, boisterous guy. He's not a Mike Daniels. You know, he's not that screamer and yeller and he's not that guy. Um Quay Walker's still a little I guess it could be Rashawn Gary, but he doesn't speak a whole lot either. You know, Rashawn Gary's, he's lived by example, you know? So, uh, I don't know who is your culture leader, defensively speaking. I had a conversation years ago, and I've brought this up before, so if you've heard it already, pardon me. But when Rick Majerus was alive, uh, Rick and I had lunch downtown at a little Italian deli in Milwaukee. And we started talking about cultures. It's funny we talk about this today. Talking about cultures. And uh, Rick said, and and told me this, and then it was reiterated by a couple of other coaches, you know, in in different areas. Mike McCarthy was one. Um, I even heard it from Ken Maka, you know. When it comes to culture, you need a badass. And that's the way Rick put it to me. You got to have a badass kind of your enforcer, you know, a guy that's not only going to keep, you know, others in line on the field like opponents, but also the guys inside the locker room in line that walks the walk. You need that. You need that badass guy. And my question is, who would be that badass guy? Who walks the walk? Rashawn Gary does, but he's not outspoken. Kenny Clark has been a pro bowler, but he's not outspoken, you know? Who's that guy? And you can't have a guy that's always banged up because he's not on the field. You know? So who is that guy that the Packers would have? And I go back to, you know, Ken Maka talked about that. Uh, you know, uh, um, George Carl talked about that. Mike McCarthy talked about that. You know, who's that guy that is that that you look to to go, okay, he's going to make a big play and he's that badass? Who would be that guy, Grant? On this defense, I guess Rashawn Gary, I guess. Right. But he's not outspoken. 
No, well, and it's especially important for this Packers defense, at least right now, to have those guys out there because Joe Barry's not that guy. He is not right. a rah-rah guy, and he's up in the booth. So the noise, right, the energy's got to come from someone, whether it's a player right. or a coach. I don't know much about the assistant coaches. Maybe that's a conversation that we can have with Mike, although I don't I don't know that this defensive staff's going to be here much longer, so it might not matter. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but I, but I started thinking about that and I started to think about, you know, culture and who's that guy. And, and it was Charles Woodson when Woodson was here. I mean, Woodson was the guy everybody looked to. He, even Clay Matthews. I mean, he, everybody looked to Charles Woodson. They knew he was, you know, he wasn't rah-rah, but he got into people's asses when they needed it, swung a big stick. And he was, he was available and walked the walk. But you, you haven't seen that in a, in a while. Just haven't seen it. 877-867-1670. Find us. Uh, got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's all coming up right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Ho, ho, ho. Come on, Santa. Go to Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Now is the time to replace your leaky windows and doors. You and Mrs. Claus can get your new windows while putting no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. Unwrap this gift now, but pay for it later. More jingle that stays in my pocket. That's right, Santa. Plus, our elves install year-round and in as little as one day. Pella offers lines in luxurious wood to fiberglass and vinyl. Why not make a New Year's resolution today? That's the spirit, Santa. Pella now. Pay later. <laughs> Absolutely. Put no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. But you have to hurry. Offer ends December 31st. Schedule your free consultation today at PellaWI.com. Certain restrictions apply. See show for details. Offer ends Eventvenue.com. That's northernlightseventvenue.com. And great place, whether it's for a uh, business meeting, it's a uh, rehearsal dinner, maybe a, just a, a party, an after-holiday uh, holiday party if you want to put uh, some people together, if you're looking for a venue. Uh, it's right on the Milwaukee River Walk, right downtown next to the Screaming Tuna. Find, uh, again, find all the information at northernlightseventvenue.com, whether it's dinners, a uh, rehearsal wedding, a rehearsal dinner for a wedding or small wedding, whatever, photo shoots, business events, they've got it for everybody. Again, northernlightseventvenue.com. That is northernlightseventvenue.com. See for yourself everything that they have to offer. Good, good stuff. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Coming up after the top of the hour, we're going to talk a lot about the NFL. Mark Schofield from SB Nation going to join us like he does every Wednesday. Going to talk some about uh, the NFL and about what's going on all over. So we always appreciate uh, appreciate that with him. Um, 
Let's see here. Uh, this is from uh, Jake. Jake says, uh, hey, guys, I think you're missing the point. The culture needs to be created by the head coach, and it has to trickle down from there. Matt LaFleur is not a tough guy. Therefore, this is not a tough team. No. So how do you explain then Miami? How do you explain Miami? Because Miami, I mean, look, their head coach is not this big, tough guy. He's kind of a, a nerd that climbed out of mom's basement. He's not a big, tough dude, right? But you've got some playmakers over on the defensive side of the football that kind of kind of run things, you know? You look at uh, Bradley Chubb. He's he's one of their one of their main guys. Jalen Ramsey, one of their main guys. They set the tone over there. Even though Jalen Ramsey was banged up coming into the season, uh, offensively you certainly have a staunch offensive line. Even though they're banged up on the right guard and the right tackle position, but it's led by Tua. And then you've got Tariq Hill, you've got Mostert, you've got guys that uh, have been real. You know, they're they're uh, Durham Smythe, they're tight end. Uh, Jalen Waddle. I mean, there, there's so many guys. You know, I don't look at McDaniel as some big rah rah tough guy. He's you know, kind of a weird nerd. You know who does act like a tough guy is Nick Sirianni. He's screaming at Chiefs yes. fans and he's yelling at Pete Carroll across field. Is that yep. what we want? Is that any better? No, that's I don't what I'm think so. I don't, I don't think the head coach is that that guy. I what the head coach does is dictate the structure. Of the team. I think the the identity, the culture goes inside that locker room and it has to be passed down for people that are there. That's just my opinion. Mark Schofield, SB Nation, coming up just after the top of the hour. Stay right where you're at. A lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this.